Hello, friends. Uh, April 26th, and we are just starting the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations has five chapters. The author, they think, was most likely Jeremiah. Um, and it just describes the heart heartache and the pain that Israel is going through after being taken captive by the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. Um, the introduction in my Bible has six major themes, <clears throat> all linked to suffering. The suffering is a result of their sin. Their suffering comes from God, not people. Their suffering could direct them toward God. Suffering, tears, and prayer belong together. Prayer should always look for hope. And their responsibility is to submit to their sufferings patiently. So let's begin. Jerusalem in Affliction. Lamentations, Chapter 1. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she, who was great among the nations, the princes among the provinces, has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations. She finds no rest. All her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to the set feasts. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord has afflicted her because of the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone into captivity before the enemy. And from the daughter of Zion all her splendor has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They flee without strength before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and roaming, Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the enemy, with no one to help her, the adversary saw her and mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem has sinned gravely, therefore she has become vile. All who honored her despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Yes, she sighs and turns away. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. She did not consider her destiny. Therefore her, for her collapse was awesome. She had no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy is exalted. The adversary has spread his hand over all her pleasant things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those whom you commanded nor not to enter your assembly. All her people sigh. They seek bread. They have given their valuables for food to restore life. See, O Lord, and consider, for I am scorned. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Behold and see, is there any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted in the day of his fierce anger? From above he has sent fire into my bones, and it overpowered them. He has spread a net for my feet, and turned me back. He has made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions was bound. They were woven together by his hands, and thrust upon my neck. He made my strength fail, the Lord... The Lord delivered me into the hands of those whom I am not able to withstand. 
The Lord has trampled underfoot all my mighty men in my midst. He's called an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord trampled as in a winepress the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eye, my eye overflows with water. Because the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Zion spreads out her hands, but no one comforts her. The Lord has commanded concerning Jacob that those around him because is at become his adversaries. Jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them. The Lord is righteous, for I rebelled against his commandment. Hear now, all peoples, and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. I called for my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders breathed their last in the city while they sought food to restore their life. See, O Lord, that I am in distress. My soul is troubled. My heart is overturned within me. For I have been very rebellious outside the sword, bereaves, at home it is like death. They have heard that I sigh, but no one comforts me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. Bring on the day you have announced that they may become like me. Let all their wickedness come before you, and do to them as you have done to me. For all my transgressions, for my sighs are many, and my heart is faint. That's the end of Lamentations, chapter 1. In context, it comes right after the destruction of Babylon. But Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans took Jerusalem captive. So where are we? Because I live in America, I am relating this to the United States. And like I've said in previous episodes, who knows? No one knows for sure what God has planned. But I know we are compared to Babylon. I know that if we go down, there's no world superpower that is backing Jerusalem, Israel. <clears throat> yeah, she has allies, but who, who of them has the firepower, military strength, finances, economy, to go up against whoever comes against the United States. Whoever's strong enough to come against the United States. I mean, we can print money all day long, but our money's no good. All right, let's go on. Lamentations chapter 2. How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. He cast down from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel, did not remember his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up and has not pitied all the dwelling places of Jacob. He has thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has profaned the kingdom and its princes. Interjection. My dog is gnawing on a bone. I'm sorry if you can hear that. 
Verse 3, he has cut off in fierce anger every horn of Israel. Horn is strength. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire devouring all around. Interjection. According to Revelations, God does destroy this earth to prepare for the new heaven and new earth. That's not a Jehovah's Witness thing. That's in uh, Isaiah chapter 65 or 66. <clears throat> but he will use fire. Fire will destroy this, this earth as we know it. Verse 4, standing like an enemy, he has bent his bow. With his right hand like an adversary, he has slain all who were pleasing to the eye, his eye. On the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord was like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces. He has destroyed her strongholds and increased mourning and lamentation in the daughter of Judah. Interjection, he pours out his fury like fire on the tent of the daughter of Zion. <clears throat> this is not the heavenly Zion. He's not going to pour out fury in heaven. He does that on earth. The tent of the daughter of Zion. That's the dwelling place for his... For his children. He's not happy with his children. I know that's controversial. I know a lot of teachers and pastors and, and PhD or masters of divinity scholars say, Jesus, God is not angry with his children. Well, why is he pouring out his fury like fire on the tent of the daughter of Zion? The tent here could be the tabernacle, the temple. We all streamed the temples, churches, Sunday morning. Well, we used to on Sunday morning. And he's not there in a lot of them dare I say, in most of them. You know, when you sing a song and the song has four stanzas and goes back to the same refrain, you know, it, it only has so many words and then it ends. Well, as soon as the strum of the guitar and the keyboard hits that last note, it's done. If you were just in the process of ushering in the presence of God through worship and his glory is about to come, but that the note on the, the song sheet determines, no, this song is over. It's done. You know, and it might lead into another one with completely different words. Songs are like prayers. You know, I grew up Catholic, and nothing against Catholics, but, you know, once once the song is done, it's done, and you repeat that song over and over and over. Let me just go off on a tangent a little bit. I'm sorry, this, this bugs me. Maybe it doesn't bug anybody else, but 
You know, every season has a favorite song. Right now it's Waymaker. I've seen so many ways that Waymaker can be sung. And it's, and after a while, it's like, it's like saying the Our Father in church. Come on, admit it. it. The words don't mean anything if you sing it and say it over and over and over and over. They lose all their meaning. How can they keep fresh meaning? The Lord says, sing a new song unto the Lord. That's in Psalms. Sing a new song. Don't just keep repeating the same old stuff, thinking that the same old stuff, your complacent heart attitude is going to bring me down and and I'm going to dance like fire all throughout your congregation and light everybody up and revival is going to take place because you sang Waymaker. You know, it's a beautiful song. I like it. I like, I like the song. In fact, my favorite rendition is the black guy out in the driveway having church in his driveway with a microphone. That was the best. But, you know, we can whip ourselves into an emotional frenzy. We can. And the devil is all too willing to help us. Where's the real presence of God? The presence of God that ushers in his realm, his dimension, that no evil can stand that brings you to the floor where you can't even stand because his presence is so awesome. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what the angels are singing over and over. But you know what? Every holy they say is fresh and new to them. And it's not a bunch of words put together into a ditty that, that is catchy. He, it's, he is holy. They aren't singing Waymaker. Or I can't think of the last one that was, that was so popular. Like, I don't know. All right, there's a clock going off telling me to shut up. And, <sighs> All right, Lamentations 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. That sounds like a sick bird. The Lord was like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all her palaces. He has destroyed her strongholds and has increased mourning and lamentation in the daughter of Judah. He has done violence to his tabernacle as if it were a garden. He has destroyed his place of assembly. The Lord has caused the appointed feasts and Sabbaths to be forgotten in Zion. In his burning indignation, he has spurned the king and the priest. The Lord has spurned his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary. He has given up the walls of her palaces into the hand of the enemy. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as on the day of a set feast. The Lord has purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he has caused the rampart and wall to lament. They languished together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the nations. The law is no more. And her prophets find no vision from the Lord. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit on the ground and keep silence. They throw dust on their heads and gird themselves in sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem bow their heads to the ground. My eyes fail with tears. My heart is troubled. 
My bile is poured on the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because the children and the infants faint in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, Where is grain and wine? As they swoon like the wounded in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out in their mother's bosom. Interjection. This is horrible famine. Horrible famine. <clears throat> Verse 13. How shall I console you? To what shall I liken you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I compare with you, that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is spread wide as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not uncovered your iniquity to bring back your captives, but have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. Interjection, I pray to God that I am not giving false delusions, but I really don't think I am. Verse 15, all who pass by clap their hands at you. They hiss and shake their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that is called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? All your enemies have hope in their mouths against you. They hiss and gnash their teeth. teeth. They say, we have swallowed her up. Surely this is the day we have waited for. We have found it. We have seen it. Interjection. That is how Russia, China, whoever it is, is going to feel when they strike our country. They're going to say, we have found it. We have found our way to take this country down, this arrogant, rich, materialistic democracy. We have found a way to take it down, finally. No more Republicans, no more Christians touting how God has prospered them. Verse 17, the Lord has done what he proposed, purposed. He has fulfilled his word, which he commanded in days of old. He has thrown down and has not pitied, and he has caused an enemy to rejoice over you. He has exalted the horn of your adversaries, horn meaning strength. Their heart cried out to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, give your eyes no rest. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift your hands toward him for the life of your young children who faint from hunger at the head of every street. See, O Lord, and consider, to whom have you done this? Should the women eat their offspring, the children they have cuddled? Should the priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? Interjection, God, I pray it doesn't get to that. God, I pray we don't have to see any of that. Jesus. Verse 21. Young and old lie on the ground in the streets. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered and not pitied. You have invited as to a feast day the terrors that surround me. In the day of the Lord's anger there was no refugee or survivor. Those whom I have borne and brought up my enemies have destroyed. That's the end of chapter 2. I don't know, folks. I don't know. 
I pray this doesn't happen to America. But you know, why should we escape? So many other countries in the world, backslidden, heathen countries, countries that either rejected God or don't know God, or I mean, haven't we become a country that doesn't really know him? Do you really know him? Do you know him? Does he know you? Is he going to say, who are you? Out of my presence, I don't know who you are. There's so many that prophesy in his name. And they say, peace and safety, we're going to come through this. We're going to come through this, peace and safety. You know, there's been other times in history where we felt like we were on the precipice of the tribulation, the great tribulation. We've had lots of tribulations, the great tribulation, the seven years. We've been, we've been at that point so many times in history. There's been peace treaties in Israel. There's been, you know, Hitler, the persecution of the Jews. The, I mean, just the slaughter of the Jews. You know, those are our ancestors. You may be Norwegian or Bohemian or German or Span Mexican. You know, it doesn't matter. You didn't come from a monkey. You came from Adam and Eve. They were the first. And Jesus is our firstborn of the Father. He is 100% Jewish, folks. And we are adopted. We are saved through his blood. We are Jewish. I don't care what anybody says. We have to defend Israel. We have to. And that's why we're hated so much. But, you know, we were a Christian country at one time. This country was founded on Christian principles until the Masons got in there. You know, them Chaldeans, the deep state, they got in right away. They saw that it was a poor country and money will fix everything. Mammon, the god of mammon. You know, God's going to do away with the money. He's good. The only ones that are going to have it is, is the deep state. They're the only ones that are going to have money. And as a matter of fact, you know, that's why Bitcoin was created. Do you know that? Bitcoin was created to introduce a digital form of currency. The credit card had to be paid with money out of your bank account. That wasn't a digital form of currency. That is purchasing things on credit. That used to be done back in the general store pioneer days. Bitcoin was introduced as a true form of currency. Who bought up all the Bitcoin? I mean, this ridiculous idea of virtual money, everybody's like, I'm not buying any of that. It's ridiculous. Well, good thing you didn't. Because all of our currency, all of our cash, all of our credit, everything, well, not our credit, but that may be forgiven if you take the mark of the beast because you're going to get Bitcoin currency. It may not be called Bitcoin currency, and maybe it will. But that's what you're going to get. You're going to get digital money. But the only way you can access the digital money 
is to prove you don't have the pandemic disease. Therefore, you have to take a vaccine because you can't buy or sell in the marketplace. You can't go out. This COVID isn't going away. It's not going away. The end times is war, pestilence, mark of the beast, disease. That's what it is. Death. Your only hope of salvation is to be intimate, have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah, because he's coming back. Not as a lamb, he's coming back as a lion. And lions, when they're mad, well, they're not called king of the jungle for nothing. So... We'll wrap up Lamentations 1 and 2. Is it Lamentations? Lamenta Lamentations 1 and 2. Um, tomorrow will be Lamentations 3, 4, and 5, and that's the end of the book of Lamentations. And then we get into Ezekiel. I love Ezekiel. Boy, I love the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel and Isaiah, they have got to be my favorites. Ezekiel sees such magnificent things. Oh my gosh. And then it ends with him measuring the temple. You know, that's a lot of how many cubits of this and cubits of that, but it's all symbolic and we'll cover all of that. So, friends, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't blame you if you don't want to tune in because it, I seem to be a lot of gloom and doom, but, but there's hope. The angels are rejoicing at what is coming. Do you know what? I'll end with this. You know what the Lord just shared with me before I went on with to record this broadcast? He said, you know, you remember when you were a kid and you were getting ready to go on a vacation, like a, a big two-week-long vacation. I used to do that. We used to do that as a family when I was a kid. We'd get two weeks in the summer and just take off. Loved it. My mom and my dad, and when there was nine kids in a big station wagon, however many went. But the Lord reminded me, he said, remember when you'd get, be getting ready for those vacations and your stomach was all tied up in knots because of the anticipation and the anxiety? I suffered from anxiety. And I was like, yeah, I remember all that. That's That was neat. You know, we don't get to take vacations anymore and everybody's stuck. The Lord's like, no, no, no. Remember the anxiety and the anticipation of everything you were going to do and everything you were going to see and the people you would encounter and the attractions and the, you know, and maybe you would go to a fair and maybe you would go, you know, just to see a bunch of really cool sights. And it was, and it was so much anticipation. And I was thinking, yeah, I remember that because... The anticipation and anxiety made me physically sick to my stomach. I mean, I wouldn't like throw up or anything, but I was so anxiety ridden. I usually got sick before every single trip. The Lord said, no, not that. This. What's coming? What's coming? When the tribulation begins, 
you have a three and a half year trip. In, and if you want it to feel like a vacation, you can let it feel like a vacation. You know, you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what you're going to see. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, what the Lord has in store for those who love him. You don't know what attractions you're going to see. You don't know what thrill rides you're going to be on. You don't know what people you're going to encounter. You don't know if the car is going to break down. You don't know if your transmission's going to go out. You know, those things happen. And, and you don't know if your luggage will get stolen. You also don't know if you're going to see and have pictures of the most magnificent things that I cannot even, that your mind can't even fathom to have a concept of. The glory, you know, the excitement, the Holy Spirit outpouring, just the presence of God swooping in and saying, my beloved, You've been waiting for me. You've been captive. I'm coming to set you free. And while I'm at it, I'm going to take them all down. I'm going to take down all the evildoers. Every one of them to the measure of their evil doing, From the greatest to the smallest. Everyone will answer for what they've done. But you, my dear, will ride on the heights with your king. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Shalom, friends.